The thing is, we just had this wonderful town hall with one of our CEOs of our, our parent company, and this was the top thing on his list. And I think that's fantastic, given that, as Jeffrey said, we're kind of three years removed from some of the, the shock of, of George Floyd and, you know, Black Lives Matter. But from that standpoint, it's like, whoa, everyone realizes it's a business strategy. It's not just about our people. It's about community engagement, our vendor management, procurement, all those kind of things. And so that's when I said, oh, this is definitely what I want to do because I can have my impact will be just tremendous. The big question, how quickly can brands and businesses change and modernize in response to the changing demographics globally? The future of work, demand for modernizing the practice of diversity, equity, and inclusion, and industry corrections. This is why we started the Change Podcast by Reframe, to help people leaders like you get answers that accelerate inclusive change and growth that reflects where the world is going. Get ready as we host a discussion with people leaders faced with the same challenges and modernize their approach to solving a decades-old problem. I'm your host, Jeffrey L. Bowman. George Floyd, now what? So many brands and businesses are struggling to sustain building inclusive change and growth post-George Floyd. In our second episode, we interview Courtney Willis, Vice President of Diversity, Equity, Inclusion, and Belonging and Culture. We talk about her journey and what happened at Restaurant Associates after 2020. At one of the leading hospitality companies, how were they able to turn a moment into an opportunity to innovate and provide category leadership? Get ready as we host a discussion with people leaders faced with the same challenges and modernize their approach to solving a decades-old problem. Join us and subscribe via Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Now let's get started. The first vice president of diversity, equity, inclusion, belonging, and culture. So a very long title, but actually it's as a result of all the work that we did with Reframe, because within our organization, I've been with the organization a long time, and we are in the food management. Do a lot of client dining, cultural centers, Lincoln Center, just it runs the gamut. And so being in operations for a very long time, it's something where this is not something I really wanted to get involved in. Why? There we go. <laughs> But it was one of those things where you didn't see a lot of movement, right? It seemed to be kind of the same old, you know, same old. And, you know, our company did, you know, great things as far as uh, cultural celebrations, but really from menuing uh, that kind of programming. And I think like a lot of companies, you know, the summer of 2020, especially at the murder of George Floyd, we're all like, whoa, you know, something else needs to be done. And that's where reframe came along, but not just that easy because it was like, well, you know, we tried to do it ourselves. We did a little survey. Everyone thinks it's great because we realize we have a very diverse organization, but at the base, right? And so we realized, wait a minute, we're food and hospitality experts, but this is not our wheelhouse. So we need to contract with someone. And actually the thing that really tipped us over oh, this really is their your whole change management approach because like wait a minute we could actually measure this we never you know heard about that a lot of our other consultants wanted to do programming 
more statements. So this was a little bit different. Can we we back up? Because I think um, now we are, what, three years removed from 2020, a number of organizations went out and hired chief diversity officers, and a lot of organizations taxed their ERGs in terms of, hey, do you mind taking on this other assignment? Um, and for high-performing individuals of people of color, oftentimes there's the ask, um, would you be open if you took on this role as chief diversity officer or head of multicultural marketing? For many of us, that's a graveyard because at the end of the day, if we have been in these organizations, we want to be operators. We want to own PNLs. And for a long time, the idea of DNI and multicultural marketing were graveyards from a professional standpoint. What was that moment where you said, it's something I really want to take on, and maybe there is an opportunity to drive impact within restaurant associations. And I just think it was everything with 2020. I just I knew even for myself uh, needed to do just more and wanting to have a greater impact. Again, always being responsible for a PNL, a large group. But I said in this way, I could actually impact the entire company. So as Jeffrey was saying, we definitely took this on as a kind of a stretch assignment. And that's what it had been actually until this past October stretch assignment. I'm like, whoa, something else needs to to happen. And the one thing that our company did is we realized we wanted to make it a business strategy. So it's what's a little bit different about us is that this particular position, I'm not reporting through HR. That we made a conscious effort to make sure that I'm reporting through operations through to the chief uh, operating officer directly because we said this is a business strategy. This permeates every aspect of our, our business. And the thing is, we just had this wonderful town hall with um, one of our CEOs of our, our parent company, and this was the top thing on his list. And I think that's fantastic given that, as Jeffrey said, we're kind of three years removed from some of the, the shock of, of George Floyd and, you know, Black Lives Matter. But from that standpoint, it's like, whoa, everyone realizes it's a business strategy. It's not just about our people. It's about, you know, community engagement, our vendor management, procurement, all those kind of things. And so that's when I said, oh, this is definitely what I want to do because I can have, you know, my impact will be just tremendous. Was there ever a moment where you're like, I don't know why we brought these guys on? <laughs> well, you know, because they pushed our, they pushed. When Reframe came along, I was like, well, wait a minute, what do you need an assessment? Oh, yes, we're going to do an in-depth assessment, and we're actually going to interview all the way from our frontline associates all through the C-suite. So when we started doing that, it was like, whoa. And then we had some intense workshops with the executive committee and very eye-opening for a lot of them. And I think a lot of them were like, well, why, why did we bring them on? Really, really pushing our buttons. I mean, I think that their concept of DEI was um, unconscious bias, and that's where it kind of ended. And uh, your leadership team. Leadership team. So yeah. they, I think, that's where I can say it's been a full circle moment. And I think with having uh, a partner like Reframe, they continue to push and make sure to help hold us accountable. I think that's also the great outcome of the work that we continue to do with them is holding someone accountable. And that's why I'm now in my position because they realize. This is not just a nice to have. It's not something we can stick, you know, on the bucket of the HR person who before that's what exactly what they were doing. But again, I think gluing some of it together. And when we talked a little bit earlier, this may have been before you came, 
This idea of, and, and, and I mentioned to someone else, intersectionality is one of the things that, yeah, given some of the work that we did around employee segments, segmentations, how did you guys navigate that at the corporate level? Because when you think about humans, attitudes, and behaviors, that has a lot of implications if that information were to get outside of the company, right? And it's continuous, it's ongoing. Did you guys have the system set up to deliver against that ambition? It's it's a process. I think that's all. And that's where, again, just having a, a partner to kind of help to help us navigate this. And I now three years removed and, you know, I was talking to, um, you know, our, our head of uh, people strategy. And it was interesting how she's had a full, full circle moment. We were talking about intersectionality with someone that had Saudi in the audience. I just, and it was something that was kind of, you know, kind of scary. All of this was very scary. You know, now we have to have legal involved. Even when we started working with Reframe and thinking about the assessment and, oh my goodness, everyone has to vet it, which is understandable because, again, when you haven't really done a deep dive to the degree that we did, we just don't know what we don't know. Um, and so I think that's been the great thing that it really has been a, uh, an amazing journey for all of us, you know, with the executive committee, again, with my uh, particular position being uh, created, as well as I have supports. I have actually two people that will be reporting to me. I think that was the beauty also working, you know, through this process because it was like, this one person can't do it alone. People leaders out there listening or watching, thank you again for investing your time with me today. So I hope this episode was valuable to you. And if you are a new people leader listening or watching, thank you for tuning in for the first time. And don't forget, you can find all of the resources, links, and show notes at getreframe.com forward slash podcast.